When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid. So scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is May 26, 2017. I'd like to do a little plug uh, before we begin the show. Uh, today's show we're going to do is uh, John is going to join us, and he is a uh, counselor for addiction treatment and works in the field and has never been a member of 12-step and has contacted me over the years, and so we're going to have John and Don in just a second. I would like to uh, just remind everybody that the film, The 13th Step, is now streaming and has been streaming since the fall uh, on Vimeo. And the Vimeo is the director's cut. It's an hour and seven minutes long. You can buy it or rent it there. And uh, it's on Amazon streaming, free if you have Amazon Prime, one ninety nine if you rent it and three ninety nine to own it, but that's a fifty two minute version and my story is not in that version. Okay. Um the next thing that I wanna just plug is that long before I started making a movie, I had aspirations as a singer and a songwriter and as a result of the uh, lousy check that I got from Amazon for my um quarter of a million people that watched it, I decided to push my own music again so I put it up on CD Baby and I finally got my last CD that I made called Record Store <coughs> excuse me um, and I think it's uh, the best album that I've ever made and so I put it up there and eventually it'll be on iTunes and all of the other streaming outlets so I um, I wrote and sang and then I did I think like four cover songs so there you go for my plug and I just want to take a moment to share in the deprogramming group. So I have a deprogramming from AA or any 12-step group that's on Facebook. Um, it's private. 
I'm just typing something in now. Um, so you have to request, and I try to vet people, but, you know, it's hard to do. And there's a couple of, I think there's five or 600 people in the group now. All righty, so with all that said, I am going to bring on, I'm going to bring on John. Hi, John. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. This is my first time on the radio. <laughs> really? Of all the years we've been talking, I can't believe that, that we haven't had you on before. But uh, you no, were the first. No, I, I'm, I'm also a little hard to catch. I move around all over Southern California, and I'm going to move again next week to the high desert, so I'm just you know all over the place. Wow. Where are you from originally? I grew up in the Imperial Valley, and uh, I went to college at San Diego State 100 years ago in the 1980s. <laughs> and uh, I I uh, lived for eight years in, in L.A. County and Whittier specifically, where Richard Nixon grew up. And uh, I've also lived in L.A., city of L.A. in Reseda. I've lived in San Diego. I've lived in uh, out here in the Inland Empire where I am now. And uh, you know, yeah, I've never lived uh, in the like the central part of the state, but. Um, I was born in San Francisco, and I went to elementary school in Shasta County and then moved to uh, Imperial Valley when I was in eighth grade. So I have lived in, um, you know, northern and southern California, never outside of California, oddly enough. So. Wow, wow. And um, you want to talk about how we first came to, uh, you know, connect with each other and talk about that a little bit? You were one of the first people that asked me for the little postcards that I made. With no, yes, I, that, that was... Uh, <laughs> Those those were the uh, I remember those so well. I was working in Downey at a program called uh, Southern California Alcohol and Drug Programs, mm-hmm. and you had put on either the Facebook page or, or something. I found out about those twelve uh, step alternative postcards, yeah. and uh, I asked for a, you know the shipment of those, and you sent them, and and you kept sending them and sending them, and and uh, I you know passed them out, and um, the clients that I gave them to were very receptive to. Um, I was uh, so the I was working in a DUI program at that time. That's what Southern California Alcohol and Drug Programs was. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that several counties in Southern California, actually throughout the state, do is <clears throat> some of the programs require the um, clients to attend meetings, you know, mutual support group meetings. They don't necessarily say 12-step groups because there's some counties like San Diego, for example, where smart recovery is really strong at. Uh-huh. They uh, clients can go to smart recovery. They can go to twelve step groups. They can go to a Christian based group. They can go to something else. Uh-huh. Um, but a, a lot of clients did not know that the non twelve step groups exist. Uh-huh. Uh, as a matter, you know, matter of fact, just this week, the the DUI program I'm working in, um, the, the topic of the uh, first offender groups I do, oddly enough, was uh, mutual support groups, and so I have been able to spend the week. Um, Laying, drawing this analogy between political parties and mutual support groups and how, how the 12 steps, 12 step groups are kind of like the Democrats and Republicans. They've been around for forever and those are the only two that they've vacillated between, between. And, you know, I mean, the state of our government, you can see what it is because it's gone between nothing but the top two political parties. Mm-hmm. And then the other comparison I make is the, um, uh, mutual, the uh, third parties. You know, the Greens, the Libertarians, the Peace and Freedom, that kind of thing. They're kind of like the Smart Recovery, SOS, Moderation Management, Rational Recovery. They don't get as much press. And so, yeah. I mean, they're out there. Right. It's just that most right. people don't know about them. Right, right. Um, 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that now there's such a big, good group, like there's a lot of professionals in the deprogramming group. I might ask if somebody is a graphic designer and remake those cards and then make it available to people to ask me for them because I do think that if we, if everybody who felt like you um, in these kind of programs were to reach out or you know and then pass these on to people who you can tell are resisting and don't want to go to AA, you really right. could make a big. There could be a really big difference, and um, you know we know that um, it's it's hard. I think we talked about this on the phone while I was driving the other day. That the part where the you know people say, well, how come smart and they don't grow? Is there's no proselytizing involved in getting help when you go to smart? Like nobody tells you you need to give it away to keep it, and that you have to Correct. actually be of service to stay sober, which is horseshit. So you know Correct. it's kind of like that part is missing of the component. And then you know I think with SOS it's hard. You have a, you know an elder like you know the guy who created it is getting up there in years, and I don't know if someone right. else should have taken the helm. Yeah, yeah, he's a great well, guy, and, but. They didn't build that infrastructure. I mean, AA really knew what they were doing. You know, Marty Mann was like a marketing genius, the first female right. who had her shit together. And, um, you know, she really she came from high, a lot of money, and it's, it wasn't a grassroots movement. And when I discovered and, that, and that, you know, yeah, go ahead. Mm. And, no, I, I was going to say, you know, you, you hit on the, the difference between the 12-step groups that, that you know, uh, have evangelism and proselytizing as their 12-step, and they, and they put out this sense of guilt and sense of, you have to tell others about it. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that there's they're not not going around knocking on doors like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormon missionaries on Saturday mornings, and you know, calling people at random and saying, "Is there an alcoholic in your household that we can you know come minister to?" Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 I, I did have a rather shocking occurrence, oddly enough, with the Smart Recovery when I was in the Imperial Valley. I I was uh, living down there in 2014, um, and. I'm on the, the state highway between El Centro and Imperial, and there was a giant billboard for smart recovery. And I, I mean, my God, I almost wrecked it. I uh, had an accident. It was, it was unreal. And so I got a hold of it, and I actually went to the meal. Uh, the, the woman's name is, is uh, I want to say Jill Ireland. I remember the uh, name of the country. Uh, and uh, I was surprised, and it was a very pleasant surprise to see that, you know, smart recovery had this nice billboard there. And the flip side to that is that on the local yokel radio station called KXO, the twelve step groups would advertise. Mm-hmm. So and, and and this is something that just drives me up the wall. You know, the twelve step groups claim that they want to get people in from through attraction, not promotion, and yet they run commercials on radios. You know, right, if you're right. not promoting a product that way by saying, Here we are, here's our phone number, here's where to go to find us I, I I don't understand what kind of delusion they're under if they they can think that attracting something to it is done without promoting the product. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. So um, one of the things that, uh, I mean, it's funny because you joined the deprogramming group finally after many, you know, because you don't need to be deprogrammed because you're not never right. a member. But you, how long have you been a drug treatment counselor? I I've been in the field since the fall of 2002, um, and uh, I got certified time. in, yeah, in, in the spring of '05. So I've been certified for 14 years, almost 15 years now, and I've, I've been in the field for, uh, you know, since the, the end of 2002. Um, it was oddly enough, I started my, uh, you know, odyssey into this field 
after having worked three years in a psychiatric hospital in uh, San Bernardino. And then uh, that went through a, a bad health survey. They laid everybody off. And I answered an ad in the paper in Riverside for a uh, place they needed an overnight counselor or what they, you know, staff assistant or whatever. And so I, I jumped on it where the pay was actually better than what I was making at the hospital. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to do, but I found out very quickly that even though this patient, uh, this uh, this uh, rehab is what it was called, or co-occurring disorders, what they would do is they would get clients from the local psychiatric ward in Riverside, and they would make sure they had their medications. And my job was to make sure they took their medications in the morning. And then, of course, in the daytime when I wasn't there, you had the clients who, or counselors who were in recovery themselves, you know, 12-stepping these clients to death. Because one of the things that's going on, and this is what drives me up the wall about this whole field, is the conflict of interest of, of, of the rehabs and the staff members of the rehabs. It is so overwhelmingly, I mean, 12 yeah. steps because, uh, one, you know, 90, 99% of the staff members that, that are working in a rehab, the staff members, have, are, are in recovery themselves. Uh-huh. I, I've yet to find one after 14 years of being in this field. I've yet to find someone to say, oh, no, I'm not in recovery, and uh, I'm going to push this 12 steps just because I think that's the way to go. It doesn't seem to work like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's – I, I know – well, it really started – I don't know how old you are, but, you know, I'm 60 now. I, I hate – you know, okay. I've kind of gotten over the whole thing. But when I went to AA, I was 18 – and, I mean, for those who don't know my story, most people do, but I'll just say it here really quick, was that I had quit drinking on my own, and then two weeks later I, I met Tom on the beach, and then he 12-stepped me. And then I thought I was, you know, I'm not joining anything. I thought I was right. going to hang out with a young, bunch of young people who didn't drink, didn't use drugs. Right. I was only a pot smoker, and I had already quit that on my own, like the previous, like, stuff fall. So I had just quit and it was no big deal. And uh, got hoodwinked in. Like, really, when I look at it and the more I do these shows, I go, there I was in there. But what happened is, I mean, I even did it. I worked at a women's alcohol treatment center when I was, I think I was four, five, no, I think I was six years sober and 24 years old. So they thought I was like, wow, you know, 24 Uh. and my shit together and I was attractive. You know, they love that shit. They love to, like, get the pretty people and push them as uh-huh. like, you know, you're the speaker and all that stuff. But anyway, I worked at this place. I got in the same way. I was the overnight person for the weekend. It was good money, right? All I had to do was just right. like, be the ha- you know, be there. And then they were like, okay, you can run, run the big book group. And I'm like, what? I'm not a counselor. I don't, I'm not a facilitator. Oh, could just go take, right. um, there's a six week class facilitation. So I took that, and then they wanted to move me like Monday to Friday, and so then I created a plan and took the ladies out to go swim laps, and I created an exercise class, and they like loved it because they were just all sitting and having just meetings. And um, right, but I'll tell you, I wanted to kill myself after six months. I wanted oh, I, to I, 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 <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this is the worst, and I quit. I was like, this is a horrible job. <laughs> The the number one complaint I get from clients who are forced to go to 12-step groups is I feel like drinking or using after leaving the meeting than I did before I went in. And I always tell the clients, I said, if you feel that way, then you need to stop going to these damn meetings because right. there there is absolutely no success in putting a person in harm's way, whereas their their urge to use is magnified, not diminished, but magnified, 
if they walk in and hear all these people telling their worst stories about who's the biggest, baddest, meanest, nastiest alcoholic or drug addict in the county. You know, right, so, right. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And and then the thing that I, I forgot where I was going, so sorry. Um, uh, I'm drinking a juice right now instead of food, so <laughs> I might be a little <laughs> lightheaded. All right. right now. But that, that's when all my friends – the people who were in the program all started to work in the field. So we're talking the late, well, that was 81. And there was this big, you know, I don't know what happened legally, right? I think there was like a law passed where insurance really had to start paying for 30 days, and maybe it was passed in 1980. Do, do you know, like, the history of those laws I, that have changed? I don't know. Okay, the, I, I know, let's see, the, the only health insurance uh, uh, law that uh, deals with uh, – Mental illness, there was something that was passed, I think it was in 2009, when uh, it was Obama's first year in office and Patrick Kennedy was a member of Congress. He, he was the uh, the one that they, you know, had an alcoholic episode or a drug-addicted episode. And unfortunately, he's just one of those, um, you know, unrepentant 12-steppers. Right, and right. There was some law. I, I can't think of the name off the top of my head of what it was called, but it was it's, it was something that basically said health insurance companies have to fund mental illnesses as you know because they're mm-hmm. not pre-existing conditions or, or they are pre-existing conditions. I mean, a person mm-hmm. does not get to pick to choose their their mental illness. And right, I guess right. a lot of your um, health insurance companies weren't doing that. You know, they they want to keep the people at the lowest level of care possible. You know, give them some pills and keep them out on the street and then. Having worked with the mentally ill, I've seen what happens when, you know, these people stop taking their meds. It's not pretty. Right, um, right. And, and the, you know, the thing about the rehabs is that these so-called co-occurring disorder places, most of them, are they, they think, you know, the 12 steps are going to solve the mental illnesses, which is a bunch of nonsense because oh my God, yeah. mm-hmm. you, you can't spiritual your way out of schizophrenia. You can't spiritual your way out of bipolar disorder or depression or anxiety or mood swings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet because the 12 the step groups are all about spirituality and finding some higher power or whatever you want to call it, you know, as I as I told one client, okay, if you can pray your way out of it, how come you did not pray your way into it? Mm-hmm, you know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, come on, you know, I mean, no no person who gets into a drug addiction goes to a spiritual entity and says, please teach me how to use heroin, please get me addicted to alcohol. Right, Just doesn't right, seem right. to work like that. Mhm. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the big stories is Tom Gleason, you know, on Facebook, where his story that he went into. Um, a, a really a mental hospital for right. being suicidal and then after you know the rehab or what he was trying not working that then he had a doctor in a white coat telling him he needed to go to AA and it's not science See, that, like, I mean I was talking, I was talking to a guy in Nordstrom it's like a young 28 year old athletic guy um, and we struck up a conversation and we were talking about all this great science with you know if, if something happens with your knee like I had a torn meniscus and I did surgery and it's arthroscopic and there's you know, like not even a bit, you know, it's just the recovery's amazing, and he hurt his shoulders, and we're talking, but he said, well, I hope when I'm, because I guess he really hurt his shoulders playing some sport, and so I, he said, you know, I, well, when I'm older, I'm really going to be in trouble, and I said, no, but by then, science will be amazing, look how it is already with my knee and these kind of surgeries, and so then he said, that's true, and I hope so, and maybe it could be bionic, and I said, it's too bad it's not like that with addiction, 
you know? So right. I said, you know, we have like the 1935, you know, religious converts, you know, when we have really good medication and we actually have good therapeutic modalities and we have other medications besides naltrexone and Vivitrol for people who have real mental illness. Right. And, we, and see, yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say, you know, that the part of, part of the advantages the non-12-step groups have is the fact that they're kind of late to the game. I mean, 12-stepism was, you know, um, created out of the whole cloth by Bill Wilson and company in 1935 to 39. Mm-hmm. And then the, 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 the next uh, – Mutual support group Women for Sobriety didn't come along until 40 years later in 1975. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you had uh, Jim Christopher starting SOS in 1985, and then you have Smart Recovery coming along as a result of the secession with Rational Recovery in 1995. Mm-hmm. And 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 so you know by then 12-step groups have been around for 60 years, right. and 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 they they literally had the monopoly because that's all there was, and it wasn't until only within the last 22 years and, 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 you know, a little longer that there have been viable alternatives. And, and now, of course, right, you mentioned, right. you know, the, the, the medication assisted therapy, the Canfold, the naltrexone, the Suboxone, you know, all, all these other things. And, and the, the, you know, the threat to 12-stepping is that if these medications work, and they do, they must because they're out there, mm-hmm. uh, that's proof that you don't need a faith-based entity. You don't need the spirituality because you can take a pill and boom, the problem goes away. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and, and any spiritual-based, faith-based program is not going to like that because, hey, I don't need this God thing anymore. I don't need this deity. I don't need a higher power because I can take a pill and it solves the problem. Right, and I've known plenty of people now who've taken the pill, who've taken naltrexone. And right. that's the, the uh, it's improved greatly um, for some, yeah, that it's just gone from uh, really, really bad to much, much better. And uh, I think that, you know, it's just it's the dynamic of the ones who are in it and they go on and on about it. I'm like, okay, well, if it is a disease, like the whole disease thing, I'm like, okay, let's just say that it was. Why are you going to a basement, a church basement, to read the book for 30, from 1939 and, right. you know, telling people to pray about it and that one-on-one we're going to do these, like, um, peer support groups. Like that, I, and the, the language, like the changing around of the language to make it more palatable for people to not stigmatize addiction. I'm like, shut up. You're fucking steppers. Yeah. I, I uh, as far you know, the whole disease debate thing, you know, and that's another topic I, I uh, wrestle with with the, tw- uh, the uh, DUI programs. And I point out, I said, look, this is an easy enough problem to solve. I said, what you do is you take the definition of disease that any medical student learns in medical school, right. okay? And there has, to, there has to be one. Every doctor has to learn that. And you say, here's what it is, and here's the criteria that something has to have in order for it to be a disease. And then you see if this thing called addiction to alcohol or any other liquid, solid, or gas it, it meets that criteria. If it does not then there is no disease of ingesting a substance, okay? Mm-hmm, and yet mm-hmm. I, I've never come across, you know, a, a, a doctor that, that, that does that or, or, or a medical organization. I mean, the uh, AMA called uh, alcoholism an illness, quote-unquote, in the 1950s, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the 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 big book of Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't not even say alcoholism is a disease. They say it's a quote spiritual malady unquote. So right. it makes it sound like if you're an atheist or an agnostic, uh, you're going to be an alcoholic, which is nonsense because out of the 14 years I've been in this field, I've never come across an atheist or agnostic alcoholic. So I'm thinking that maybe atheism and agnosticism is the way to cure an addiction. You know, it, uh, I certainly don't you know see the, the these people not praying, and then they're not getting drunk and not getting high and not being addicted to something. So it's uh, it, it, it's the whole disease thing is just that that has to be, you know, nailed and, and, and disproved right away. Yeah, so I just, I just Googled um, medical terminology, disease, and abnormal condition. Um, and, uh, well, then they come up with all... Wow, that was kind of interesting. That literally didn't take me where I wanted to go because, it's, <laughs> you know, AA has such a influence or has had such an influence on our right. culture that it even might begin to affect what the dictionaries would say. What is a disease? An interruption, cessation. I'm sorry, an interruption, cessation, or disorder of the body uh-huh. system or organ structure or function. That was one of them that it had here, but it, it's um, talking about real diseases. Like then, there's a list in alphabetical order: Alzheimer's, Alpha Chain, Anderson's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay. You know, real. And mm-hmm. it, as I like to point out, a person doesn't get it. Have you ever read the book A Million Little Pieces by um, James Fry? No. No. Okay. It, it, that was on the New York Times bestseller list uh, in 2006, and, and the guy went on Oprah, and Oprah praised the book, and then there was the Drudge Report that you know pointed out the guy was making some stuff up, so Oprah calls him oh back on the God. show. And, yes, yes, yeah, I remember okay. that guy. Now, in, in that book, and, and I've got a copy of it at home because this is what made me go out and buy it, he goes off on this thought process talking about addiction being a disease, and he points out, a disease is a destructive medical condition. A human being does not control. They do not choose when to get them. They do not choose how long they're going to have it for or what part of their body is going to be affected. They don't choose for how long they would like it for uh, and whether they're going to live or die from it. So the fact that, you know, I, I mean, diseases are involuntary. You just can't wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I sure could use some high blood pressure today with a side order of leukemia. Uh, it, 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 it's, you know, I mean... You wake up one morning, you feel funny, you see a doctor, and the doctor says, okay, you've got cancer. Well, you just don't order a pint of that at a corner liquor store like you can alcohol. Right, right. You know, so I, I, one of the things I would attribute to being something being a disease, there has to be an involuntary acquired condition. Mm-hmm. No. Right, right. And I think that that's the, the component of that I have to ingest you know, um, they have proven or, you know, there is something to if you grow up in the environment of um, alcohol uh, abuse and dependency, uh-huh. if you grow up around it, like, so we hear this, oh, it was so infuriating. So it was on, um, the, well, Stanton Peel was on for like a second um, yesterday morning on the Today Show. And uh-huh. um, with like Matt Lauer and uh, which, you know, he's, well, I won't even get into about him, but. Um, that they had these three women from a family, okay? Nobody right. mentioned AA. They didn't need to. We all know what they're talking about. The, so you have the grandmother, the mother, and the beautiful daughter. And the, the, the daughter's been sober probably since, since she's a child, you know, whatever. Or she, that, and it was like they're saying, you know, oh, it's like genetic. And even to say to that, well, if they find out, like you have a, a, a gene for um, 
uh, I use this all the time, that I can sing. So my sons have okay. a genetic, they, or they have something in there that says that they, if they, but they would have to study, they would have to practice, they would have to make a decision, they want to become a singer. Uh, right. right. So hey, that's the I, same I, thing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I love their genetic argument because my comeback to that is always, oh, really, if it's genetic, then where in the hell is mine? Because mm. the people who uh, created me, I, I, my, both of my biological parents, and the people whose names were on my birth certificate, they died when I was five. Both of them were alcoholics. Wow. They met, the, the legend goes, in one of those old-fashioned sanitariums that's, you know, the hospitals where they put where they put the alcoholics in the straight jackets and, and that, that kind of thing. If you've ever seen the days of wine wow. and roses when, when Jack Lemon gets wrapped up, that's what both of my parents went through. And and they hooked up and and obviously went to step thirteen because here I am, uh, right. and and they uh, I I mean I my mother drank herself to death when I was five. Okay, oh. when I went to college in the eighties at San Diego State, I would like to think I did my fair share of college drinking. I went to Tijuana, yeah. I did drinking there, I did the college campus partying thing. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't yeah, give a damn yeah. about alcohol. I, I, I'm completely indifferent to it, but yet mm-hmm. I've inherited a bunch of other wonderful characteristics from my parents. Mm-hmm. Alcoholism is not one of them, which yeah, just reinforces been... that, you know, uh, yeah, if it's an alcoholic man, it's an alcoholic woman, they make a baby, you know, and the logic is, oh, if the baby ever touches alcohol, it's going to be an alcoholic. Nonsense. I mean, I well, am one of those. Right, right. Well, it's so interesting. Yeah, I, but I think that, it, you know, at, at one point when I was making a movie, like I really wanted to interview more scientists, and Gabrielle Glaser, um, she told me that there were people doing real research who were not pro-AA, right. and she had spoken uh, to them, and she had interviewed them for not just her book, but the Atlantic piece and the pieces that she wrote. And I think uh, one of the, there's a couple of guys down in it's either New Mexico, I think it's New Mexico. Uh, there, but there are places. There's some doctors in New York that she spoke to who can't stand AA, who are very very angry that the controls that they have on the system. And I'm sure that real doctors must be because they know about the PHP program that poor Michael Langan and many other doctors who have contacted me who are forced into. Uh, a real horrible situation with having not. A, and here's the problem that I have with this. So we'll just go off on this little tangent because um, we're kind of yeah. just talking about anything that I have with the right. professionals. From my understanding, from getting to know Scott really well, I spoke to about ten pilots for hours on the phone over the last two or three years. One, a couple of nurses, um, and a couple of, about five doctors, where I've spent hours on the phone with. Here's the difference: if you get a DUI. You're going to go the first time. You're going to go to the – you're going to take the AB 541 class. You may or may not – Which is what I do, yes. Right. right. Maybe in L.A. you're all going to be told to go to, you know, AA, even though you know that's illegal and they can't do it. So you don't know. That happens. You can go. You can can either go or not. You can sign it for yourself. You have your friend sign it. And that would be the end of it. But if you're a doctor, a pilot, or a nurse – and you didn't uh-huh. even get into trouble. You don't understand the system, and you go to get help from your EAP program, right? You're, you know, you go to right, HR right, and say, right, you know right, what? Right. You don't drink on. Let's, let's just deal with the people who never got into trouble. They're not drinking on the job, but they're going home. And let's just talk about alcohol. You are right. forced. You are fucking forced 
to join an organization in a way that the normal public is not, and they don't understand it, and normal AA members would never tolerate it if they understood. Right. You have to believe in the ideology. You are forced to get a sponsor. Pilots, it's not like you get to pick or not and call or not, and you have right. to go no. into these ex- – right? That's really, really, really bad. Okay. No, that, that, I, what you're describing is what uh, occurred down here in Orange County. I'm, I'm talking to you from a side street in Santa Ana in Orange County. Uh, mm-hmm. But when I worked for a DUI program here 10 years ago, they had something down here at the time called DUI Court. DUI Court was modeled on the drug court program where, I mean, they threw more requirements at the uh, people in it than, than the people had time to complete with the belief being that uh, you, if they gave you know, made you do enough you know, hoops to jump through, you wouldn't have time to drink or drug. Well, I had plenty of clients who who were asked, you know, they were on formal probation. And the probation officer would say, "Did you recognize anybody at your AA meeting?" And yes, they were only promoting the uh, the AA uh, line of, of, of you know, you had to go to, you had to get a sponsor. The probation officer had to know what the sponsor's name was. And, and you know what step are you working this week? And it, it was just I I was I was flabbergasted to see how intense this all was. And this is just for, for the run-of-the-mill DUI offender. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't for the doctors and nurses and teachers and all that kind of thing. And, and well, yeah, no, oddly enough, but 2007 was the same year that the Inouye decision was handed down. And uh, the Inouye decision was the case out of Hawaii. It was a U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision. And what it did, what happened, Mr. Inouye was a, uh, a prison inmate. He got out on parole, and he had a drug conviction. And his parole agent said, okay, I'm not going to allow you to – I'm not going to require you to go to meetings yeah. right away. And Mr. Inouye said, okay, fine. And, and then he started screwing up. And so the parole agent said, okay, you have to go to AA meetings or NA meetings. Mr. Inouye said, I'm a Buddhist. This is against my religion. You know, I don't want to go to this. The uh, parole agent said, too bad, so sad. You still got to go. So he sued Mm -hmm. in federal district court. He lost the first round. He Mm -hmm. appealed his uh, his civil rights lawsuit to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Then he dies. (laughs) And then in the fall of 2007, the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals agrees with Mr. Inouye. So the poor man did not even live long enough to see his victory. But what they, what it did is it basically said that if you get forced by a government entity, whether mm-hmm. it's the FAA or a probation officer or a judge, you can personally sue that person who is coercing you into these groups. Because, number one, there's too many uh, precedental decisions that say you have to offer something for the non-believing 12-stepper. And, and, you know, you're violating the person's freedom of religion. And second of all, right. the, the a number of, of groups that are out there, it's been – the courts already know about them. The courts already know about smart recovery and SOS and mental sobriety and rational recovery. Mm-hmm. And so to it, 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 it was good and it's bad. It didn't say you can't still do, do coercion. But it says if you're going to coerce, you have to give an alternative. You have to give a menu, and those menu of, of groups that a airline pilot or a nurse or a probationer has to go through, it must include non-12-step groups. So why do pe- – I mean, there's people that are just – you know, I mean, a nurse called me like and, three weeks ago who's like, you know, was sobbing on the phone and told me – And I like, – Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no. I, I, I think part of the problem the part of the problem is, you know, of course, 
one is lack of knowledge because, again, these non-12-step groups don't evangelize as fervently as, as the 12-step ones do. They don't have pamphlets like the 12-step groups that says how to work with referring individuals like courts and the FAA and, and probation officers. Uh, the other is the, is the pathetic conflict of interests that you have. So if you've got the, a drunk airline pilot or a drunk nurse, of course the people who have who are already in the 12-step program, they're, they're, they're practicing step 12. They're, they're practicing evangelism. So, of course, they're going to hook them in, hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it, 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 they're, that way they're working a good program, okay? Um, but yeah. it, it's not about offering alternatives because the 12-step groups see these things as being competition. It's not about, it's not, remember in 12-stepism, it's not about the individual. Nothing is geared towards the individual. It's about the group. The group comes first. Right. In all cases. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard, did you hear that show that I did a couple weeks ago about when I was like linking about extremist brainwashing? Um, I, 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 you did, you may have seen well, a clip of it. So, you know, I, it was like a really big aha moment. So Kevin and I were watching Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman, and on that note of it's about the group, that that kind of ideology uh, is, you know, the beginnings of why the brainwashing happens so quickly. So if people are told to go to 90 and 90, that it really can set it, you know. Or I mean, if you only go to, like for me, I think, well, I didn't go to 90 and 90. I went to like to a couple a week. Um, right. two or three because I had two jobs and um, I had one like bakery job in the morning and a restaurant job in the afternoon and I would just come at the end and of some meetings and um, it, you know uh, but it, it's just still really yeah that whole part of that you know the group is more important than you and even in their safety thing somebody pointed out we were talking about that safety um, letter that New York AA has just published in January that it talks right. about that the group, like, you know, we have to watch out for the group or we'll perish. You know, like, that's what it says. Well, like, what, what, is, what, is the, what is the first the first tradition in, in AA's world of tradition is uh, about how, you know. Welfare should come first. Our personal there it recovery is. depends there upon it, AA unity. There it is. It's all that. It, notice, it, notice the pluralization of that pronoun. Are we, us? There's right. no singularity in, in, in 12-stepism. It's not I, me, you. It's are we, us. It, and again, group, 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 group. Um, they might as well just put, you know, words next to one that says "fuck the individual" because the individual mm-hmm. is irrelevant. And 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 if you have individuals starting to make individual decisions, like, gee, I think I'll go to a smart recovery meeting this week instead of AA, or I think I'll go to rational recovery, or I, I, I rational recovery doesn't believe in any groups. I'm sorry. Uh, people just want to stay home. I think I'll just stay home and sleep in. Then the group's going to dry up and die. You know, right. if, if 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 they can't manipulate that guilt factor and that fear factor, I mean, you know, there's that reality show called Fear Factor. I'm mm-hmm. surprised they haven't had a bunch of twelve uh, steppers on there because that's all it is. Right, right. You know, I mean, it, making making the individual afraid of themselves and afraid of the decision they may make and afraid of their relapse and afraid of of, uh, of you know triggers and all this. It's pathetic. It's horrible. It's obscene. Um, I you know. <laughs> And the people that are hurting these people and they're like cattle, they need to be called out for it. So these these EAPs, they need to be confronted and sued and found out, okay, is it because you're all in 12-step groups yourselves and, and engaging in conflict of interest? Or is mm-hmm. it because you don't know that there's other things out there? You know, I have all the sympathy in the world for wanting to help 
the airline pilots and and the teachers and the nurses and 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 you know the first responders. But my God, they deserve a menu. The analogy I I, I like to draw again on the a political party is is imagine you were forced to vote. Okay, mm. you were forced to vote, and you get drugged into the ballot into the ballot on election day, and you but but all your choices are only Republican candidates, nothing but Republicans. But you get to pick anyone you want. Okay, mm-hmm. that's kind of like saying yeah. you can pick among any twelve-step group you want. Right. Right. Now right. That's the, really good. The same yeah. analogy. The same yeah. analogy is you're forced to vote, but when you get drugged into the voting booth, you have Democrats, Republicans, Greens, Independents, Libertarians, Peace and Freedoms. You've still got the element of coercion there, but it's taking out some of the sting. Oh, and then there's also the option of none of the above. You, you have the right to reject all of them. You know, right, and this right. is where rational recovery comes in. You know, Jack Trimpey's uh, idea where you don't need no stinking you know, mutual support groups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and I think that most people, like there's a whole, like when you talk to maybe people who aren't in it, but who know people in it, they're like, well, that's a nice thing. Like some people need that. And it's like, yeah, but what percentage? And if everybody says, you know, that you should go there, like now this whole like kind of news thing about Brad Pitt. I mean, I just like was sick about it. I just was like, really? I I, like, I, I like, see. And, 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 and the, again, the problem is, is over the fact that, again, Hollywood is pro. You remember the, the Chuck Lorre and uh, Charlie oh, Sheen? Yeah. Uh, okay, there was that big meltdown a few years ago. And it's because I guess Chuck Lorre, as fantastic as his TV programs are, he's a militant twelve-stepper. Yeah. And you got yeah, Charlie yeah. Sheen, who is a tra- he's he's a train wreck. You know, Charlie Sheen is a train wreck in and of himself, and he sees the bullshit for what it is. Right. Says, right. I'm not going that route. And so you know, you had that public breakup and divorce and meltdown of you know Charlie Sheen on on YouTube and all that kind of thing. And and mm-hmm. and you know Hollywood is so obscenely and pathetically twelve-step. There's that TV show on now called Mom. Okay, yeah. and it's all about the meeting and all that, and 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 mom's an alcoholic and so on and so forth. I, I would like to see just one TV show, one program, one Hollywood producer that says something as an alternative. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, it's it's yeah. a militant where the promotion never stops. I agree. I agree. I think there is there's some shows that like will just barely touch it like in an episode or they'll like you know uh well the one with um oh man what was his name it was on Netflix and he's got BoJack Horseman uh he's kind of he's pretty famous uh and he let me just look this up really quick let's see right. uh, Horseman who and his show it was only 7 episodes and when he here we go BoJack Horseman I'm going to be. Oh, he was also on that Arrested Development. He was one of the leads. Uh, Will Arnett. So Will Arnett. Okay. Um, you know, and I liked him. And I some so people all over the internet were like, "Oh my God, Monica, have you seen this show with Will Arnett on?" Um, let me see what the other one was called. Uh, he's not getting a lot of press for it, but they did do a huge interview with him on um, in the Hollywood Reporter, like really, really mm-hmm. in depth. And I read about it. And it looked like he was kind of really questioning it. I mean, in the show, he kind of it turns out he's really drinking. You know, oh, flaked. It's called flaked. Have you seen it? I have not seen flaked. I I, I rarely, very rarely watch TV, so I'm 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 not up to par on. on yeah, that. well, it wasn't regular TV. It was Netflix, but you might enjoy it. But he, finally, in the seventh, I think it's the seventh episode, he gets into a fight 
with uh, it's a cop who's a stepper. And he's like, oh, what do you, like, you don't even talk to you. You know, you're sober all these years, and you don't even talk to your kids still. And, you know, you just sit there in your men's. St- I mean, it was like, I could have wrote it. I mean, not really. But, you okay. know what I mean? I'm, okay. it, it was critical. It was highly critical. Okay. Good, good. And, 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 may, and that may be how some of this non-12-step stuff gets into the media. Unfortunately, it's being relegated to the sidelines with, you know, Netflix right. and Hulu and 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 the the one you mentioned at the beginning of the program, Vidiom or something like that. Um, oh, Vimeo, yeah, uh, Vimeo is yes. considered to be totally professional. You know what I mean? Like if you're just on Vimeo, it's like yeah, kind of self. It's like self-publishing. It's not right. respected. It's, but if but yeah, I think Netflix is. But you're right. Like if it, if main like if. I'm, HBO or Showtime or right. – did, did it just say we have 90 seconds left to talk? <laughs> okay. <laughs> my God. We're, that's a, yeah, my watch is saying 1244. So. <laughs> All right, let, let, let me give one last plug. If, there's a, have you heard of the book 12 Steps to Dead by Rolf Anchorman? Yes, yes, I have it. Uh-huh. Oh, good, 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 good. Okay, because that, that – uh, let's see them make a movie out of that book or out of a few good pe- – uh, a million little pieces – um, Mr. Fry's book or, you know, any of these books that uh, are anti-12 steps and see how far they get, you know, that mm-hmm. would that would really wake some people up, I think. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I haven't seen him around. He must have, like, he hasn't been on the, in any of the Facebook groups. I haven't seen him lately, Ralph. I kind of wanted to inter- uh, interview him on the show. That would be a good show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would be, yeah. Get him and James Fry on the same page. That That would be fantastic. Okay, I'm writing these names down, James Fry. Well, I am, thank you yes. so much, John, uh, for okay. doing the show with me today. And uh, I look forward to seeing you out there on the Facebook groups and everybody out there in podcast land. I want to thank you all for joining us today and share everywhere. And know that uh, say no to 12-step for DUI or anything else and no professional <laughs> coercion. And have a great Memorial Day weekend. All right, thanks. Thank you so much, John. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.